Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Buenos dias. Bienvenido. Si no, no nos... No, I'm going to mess it up. Okay. Um, I tried. I, was, I had it ready, and then it just went away. So uh, for those that don't know, I've been in, uh, been in Ecuador, and I am back. The rest of the team, uh, they'll be coming back tomorrow. I've uh, had a little bit of hiccup today, but they're, they're going to get here. And, um, uh, but I got in yesterday, came back a little bit early to be with you guys. So really glad to get to be here today, get to worship with you. Uh, we had a great time, got a lot done. You'll get to hear more about that here in the coming weeks as the rest of the team returns, and, and we'll, we'll be able to give you an update, let you know a little bit more about it all, um, but, but glad to be with you guys. Uh, my Spanish did improve some, but just a little note here, we, we just a few weeks ago wrapped up a series where we were called the Wisdom Pyramid, and we were largely looking at a technology and how we use it and how, to be, you know, how that impacts our wisdom and walking with the Lord, and I, I tried to make it clear, even though we were talking about some different things, technology has its place, and it, it can be really good. And this week, okay, that translator app on my phone got a workout, man. That thing was awesome, okay? That was really helpful. So um, anyway, so uh, I did, have, did get to improve my Spanish and uh, got to get a lot done, made some new friends. It was, uh, it was a good week overall. I spent uh, a lot of time in the airport this week, uh, a lot, many different airports, three different ones uh, over the course of both, both, well, three different ones, same ones, going there and coming back. And um, you know, when you're in the airport, one of the things you do when you're flying is you, you, you people watch. You get to see a lot of different people. And so from, from hearing, I guess four airports, so from Kansas City at MCI to, to Atlanta to Quito in Ecuador, big city in, in Ecuador, down to Manta, which is a city but, but not a big airport, uh, in all of those places, right, getting to, to see people. And, and as you're looking at people, you know, you can tell a lot about a person by what they wear. Okay, they're, they're clothing, right? They tell a lot about them. You, you can tell uh, something like vocation. You, generally, you might be able to tell what do they do for a living by what they're wearing. Um, definitely, you, you can see interests, right? It's interesting to see different people's styles, see how styles are different in different places, uh, even within the United States. Different interests, different, obviously, economic status. You can sometimes see that depending on how people are dressed. Um, but, but in general, values and priorities, what do people really care about, is often reflected in the way they dress, okay? And so just as we get started here, um, I, I want to make this point that clothing is largely an indication, an indication of preparation, okay? Clothing is an indication of preparation. If you're following along, you can use that, that note sheet as we go. Um, clothing is an indication of preparation. What are you prepared for, right? What, how you're dressed says something about what you expect to see happen in that place and in that time that you are. Where you're going, you, you expect certain things. And so you're preparing for certain things in the way that you dress. Okay? And throughout Scripture, clothing plays this significant role in describing the human condition and, and really describing our human experience. Okay? Clothing pops up all throughout that. The way that we are adorned uh, has a lot to do with, with our, our spiritual condition, has a lot to do with the things that we Experience. And in this series, what we're going to do is look at the importance of not just clothes, but armor. Okay? We're not going to just talk clothing. 
We're going to talk about armor, and not just any armor. We're going to spend the next seven weeks looking at the end of the letter to the Ephesians, and we're going to explore this idea of the full armor of God and really look at why each of those words is so important. Full armor of God. Okay, it starts like this. I want to just read the very first, just very first verse there in Ephesians 6.10. It says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Okay, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Now, I'm willing to, to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to propose here, that most of us would be pretty content if Ephesians just ended there. Okay? It'd, be, it'd be all right if it just ended right there. We know we need strength. And so, hey, let's just wrap it up. Be strengthened by the Lord, by his vast strength. So we, we know we need strength. But there's this issue is we don't necessarily realize how much strength we need. See, most of us, we live a life of faith that only goes as far as be strengthened by the Lord. We, we, we know, okay, yeah, I want some, some strength from the Lord. And so we, we want that, and, and we, we hear it, but we don't necessarily understand the magnitude of what's being offered. Here's this offer. The strength of the Lord, the vast strength of the Lord is being offered here. But we don't necessarily understand this. A, a few weeks ago, so in the afternoons, we have our, our student group that meets up here from 1 to 3, Associate Pastor Kyle, uh, his wife, Alyssa, they lead our student group. And, uh, and so the students are up there. And during that time, usually, my wife Sarah and I, we watch their kids because they're, they're hanging out with our kids. So we hang out with their kids and we, we watch their kids. And so uh, their oldest son, Beckett, uh, he and I are playing together and, and doing stuff. And, and we were playing Hot Wheels. Okay, well, uh, Hot Wheels, they, they've come a long way since... Since even my boys had Hot Wheels, and definitely since I was playing with Hot Wheels, okay? I mean, it used to be you just, like, all you had for Hot Wheels was gravity, right? Like, that's, that's the only power source for Hot Wheels you had. You just, you just find something high, and you, we had the tracks, so you just try to get them high, and then hope that gravity, you know, it, it does its thing, and, and you get some speed, or, or, your, or your arm. We had our arms, right? And you can, you can throw the Hot Wheels, and you're trying to, try to make them go fast. Well, but now, see, Hot Wheels, like, they've got boosters, this is amazing. I want you to see, because this, I found this really great picture of these boosters that they, they have. Do we, do we have it? No boosters picture? That's my fault. Okay. <laughs> but but just, just come with me here on this, okay? So, so they have these boosters, which, which means that the, the cars will start rolling on the tracks, but then as they're going, they hit the boosters. It's kind of like older school racetrack cars, but, but now the Hot Wheels have them. And so as it's going through the track, it hits these little boosters, and it gives it the power, and it it's, keeps sending it along on the tracks. Okay, I think you get the idea. And so there's this extra booster power that comes. And, and I think very often that's kind of our picture of what this verse is saying, right? Like, I'm going to go, and, and I'll get some kind of start. I'll get going, and I just need the Lord to, to kind of give me a boost. I just need him to, to sort of help Keep me on my way. And trouble is that the nature of life, it, it really doesn't allow for his strength to be helpful for us if that's the only way we understand it. We think we just need a little strength, a little boost, and we can take it from there. And, and God says, no, there's really much more going on here. And so, so what, what we have to, to understand is that as we think about the armor, we're only going to know our need for the armor if we know the nature of our battle, okay? It, we'll, we'll only really understand, that this, this series will only really make sense to you 
It will only be of value if we can understand the nature of the battle that we are talking about. Because if we minimize the battle, then our need for the armor will seem kind of ridiculous. It will seem just this extra thing, this thing that's really not, it might be nice, but it's not actually necessary, okay? So it's important that we understand the nature of our battle. If we don't acknowledge the actual battle, we'll miss the strength available. And so today we're going to look at the beginning of this passage about the full armor of God uh, in Ephesians, and we're going to do that to survey the battlefield, okay? Kind of just look at what is the nature of this battle. So I want you to hear the rest of the section we're going to look at today. It says, again, back to verse 10, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having prepared everything, to take your stand. Okay, I want us to understand three big ideas as we look at this, this beginning of this passage, okay? The first is this. We fight on an unseen front. You want to understand the battle, you got to know that we fight on an unseen front. Ephesians 6.12, right? It says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't have actual flesh and blood things to deal with. That's not the point here. We'll get into that here in a second, even more. But, but the point is not that we, we don't have real struggles, in this real world. The point is by comparison that, that our struggle is not, our, our great struggle, the real thing that's going on, the, the most real thing that we are dealing with is not in this physical realm. There is this unseen realm. Okay, But most of us, we don't see the world this way. We, we don't really think of the world this way. There's a There's an idea that popped up, I don't know exactly how many years ago, uh, in kind of anthropological studies. Uh, And the idea is called the excluded middle. Okay, I want you to see a picture. This will make it simpler here in a second. But but here's the idea. This is the way most of us tend to see this world, world, a Western view of reality. It's two-tiered. You've got religion, ideas of faith and miracles and all these things that we put in this category of religion. And then you've got science. You've got the physical world, the natural world. Sight and experience, natural order, worldly problems. This is, this is the secular world. And between those two is this gap. And this general idea is that these two never really touch. You can, you can deal with one and, and, and think about one, or you can think about the other, but when you try to bring them together, it doesn't work. Like they're, they're like magnets, you know, when you, you put the poles in the right direction, and they just, they just repel each other, and there's that gap that stays there. That's the way we tend to see the world. Just in general, people tend to look at the world this way. A simpler view of this, author Paul Miller in his book, A Praying Life, he created this, this drawing. Okay, we, we, most of us view the world as either feelings or facts. Right? There are things that are in this realm of feelings which are true for me, and we would put religion or spiritual things in that feelings category. And then there are facts that are true for all things which are Science and, and computers, astronomy, textbooks, these, you know, and, and, but between them, again, there's, there's this gap. There's, there's a hard line between those two things. And so our general viewpoint is those two don't have a whole lot of interaction with one another. We have to keep them in these separate categories. Unfortunately, 
the way most people see the world is not the way the Bible writers see the world. It's not the way God says the world actually works. So we have to understand that we are fighting on an unseen front. And the second thing we need to know, or one of the things related to that, is that this unseen front, the battle is not optional. Okay? It is an unseen front, but just because it's not seen doesn't mean you have an option here. I want you to notice Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, it comes at the end of Ephesians. Okay? It's part of this, this letter. And this letter is addressed to all believers. It says in, in, in Ephesians 1.1, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. The, the people who are receiving this letter, the people that are meant to be encouraged by the Apostle Paul who's writing this letter, the people that are, are Christians, you say, oh, they're faithful saints. No, this is not some super category of Christians that are being written to. This is just Paul acknowledging that you folks that are in this church in Ephesus, you are faithful saints in Christ Jesus. He, he's, just, he's just reminding them of who they are. He's going to go on to do that for three of the six chapters, just telling them, look, this is who you are. If, if you're in Christ at all, that's who you are. You're faithful saints. So this is addressed to all believers. And, and to be a faithful saint is to simply be one who has been rescued, Colossians 1.13. Christians are described like this. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Okay? He's rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In Christ, we've been transferred. If you are in Christ, if you have received his gift of new life, you've been transferred from one domain, which is described as darkness, from one domain to another, which is the kingdom of God. But here's the thing, regardless of how you view all of this, we all live as citizens of one, and we are all subject to the other. If you say, no, I, I, I like this domain. I, don't, I think you're wrong to call it darkness, but it's my domain. I don't want to have anything to do with that kingdom of God domain. I'm in this domain. Fine, you're in that domain, but you're still impacted by this other. And if you say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm in the kingdom of God, I'm in this domain, great, good, we, that's kind of what we're here and we're about, that's fine. But if you think that that domain doesn't have anything to do with you, you're also wrong. You're still subject to it in a certain way. This is intended, all of us are part of it. If you follow Christ, you're a citizen of heaven, then you are many things. But that includes being a soldier. Author Ian Dugwid, I think I say his last name right, says it this way. He says, the choice is not whether you will be a Christian soldier or a Christian civilian, but whether you will be a prepared Christian soldier or an unprepared one. And an unprepared soldier of flesh and blood will not be able to stand against the scale of the spiritual forces ranged against him or her. That's what is at stake here is will you be a prepared Christian soldier? That's the question. And so here's the second thing to know about this unseen front. It's not optional, but the battle is also intensely practical. It's intensely practical. We've already read it twice, but here at 6.10, right there at the beginning, verse of chapter 6, verse 10, he says, finally, he says, finally, right? He's saying, look, the last thing I want to wrap up here, as I conclude, I want, to, I want you to know this. And what he's getting at is, everything that I've been saying, I, I want you, this all was, was, 
leading here. This is the last thing I want you to know. But what has he been doing in all the stuff that came before finally? Well, from 1-1 through 6-9, everything that's come before was about understanding how spiritual realities affect our everyday living. Chapters 1 through 3 in Ephesians are, this is who you are in Christ. This is what Christ has done in this grand cosmic realm. This is what he's done in this unseen front. He's done, he, he is the ruler. He is the conqueror. And because of what he's done, now verse, chapters 4 through 6 is, so now live like this. It, the, the Bible, the good news, always starts with, here's what Jesus has done. Now here's what you are able to do because of that. It never starts with, you do this, and then God will go and do this. It starts with his initiative. It starts with his work. It's intensely practical. Again, four through six is, here's how you live in this real world. And this is the capstone on, how do I live in the real world? Well, you got to deal with this unseen front. This is the final part of that instruction, Okay. So the battle is not optional. It's intensely practical. And also the battle is against a spiritual, evil, deceptive, and organized enemy. This battle is against a spiritual, evil, deceptive, and organized enemy. 1995 movie came out called The Usual Suspects. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. That's okay. You don't have to see it. Um, I would not recommend it to most people. Um, But a key statement in that movie, it's actually a quote from a guy named Baudelaire from 1800s. But here's the statement. They kind of massage what Baudelaire said, but but here's the statement that shows up in The Usual Suspects. The greatest trick the devil ever ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Here we're told this front at, at the... The core of this front, the, the leader of this unseen front that we have to address is the devil, right? Verse 11, Ephesians 6, 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes or the strategies of the devil. That's the idea. Well, who is this devil? Who, who is this one who is, we call the enemy? We can also refer to the enemy as all that goes on with, with the enemy and the things that or under his purview. John 8, 44, the devil is described like this. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. As we go through this series, naturally and necessarily, we will look more at the nature of the enemy. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that today, but, but as we go, we'll, we'll know more about the nature of the enemy but it's important to understand what we've heard so far. He's, he's, strateg- he's got strategies or schemes. He is a murderer. He is a liar. There's no truth in him. It goes on in verse 12, right? This is what we're told. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Now, it's not exactly, not altogether clear exactly what is described here, but it's pretty well understood that these different terms refer to different roles and ranks in the spiritual realm of the enemy, okay? That, that, that when we hear uh, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces, that, that these are actually roles and ranks. 
That, that's the just common understanding that as you look at the Bible as a whole, that's what's being referred to here. And so that's why it's important to know that, that this is a battle against this spiritual, evil, deceptive, but also organized enemy. This is not some haphazard fight that we're in. If we treat it like that, as if it's just, you know, it just kind of happens, we're going to miss, again, the nature of the battle, and the armor won't seem important. So it's important to know this is an organized effort. So at this point, we could be, maybe you're sitting there and you're, you're uneasy. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you could even be a bit scared. But we haven't gotten to the armor yet. There are two more aspects of the battle that vitally shape our approach to it. So we fight on an unseen front, but number two, God supplies us with his strength. Okay? For those of you that like to guess along with me, you probably already knew this one. Okay? God supplies us with his strength. We're told, Ephesians 6.10, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. His vast strength. It's described in Ephesians 1.19 like this, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. And this is what is being offered to us. He supplies us with his strength. And yet, how does that strength come to us? Well, we're told then, put on the full armor of God, Ephesians 6.11. Put on the full armor of God. That's the way we, we experience, the way we we reckon God's strength to us in our living. Put on the full armor of God. Now, this is the armor of God. It's the armor from God. And that's part of what that means. It's armor that he himself is giving. But then it's also described as the full or whole armor of God. And the idea here is that it is complete. It's not lacking. There's not something that... Is being held back. Now, it's also meaning that it is divine. It is the armor of God. It is the complete armor of God. It's not lacking anything. It's emphasizing that this is divine armor. But it's also important for us to realize God's not holding anything back on us. He's giving you his strength. He's giving you his armor. He's giving you himself. You want to fight the battle, you got to know it's God himself who is to be your strength. So 1 John 4.4, 4, we're told, if you are in Christ, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You know, lean on that, and that's rock-solid truth for those of us who are in Christ Jesus and in whom Christ dwells. But why? Why supply this strength? Why, what is it for? We've already heard first, or Ephesians 6.13. For this reason... Because of the nature of the battle and because of the strength that God has for us, for this reason, take up the full armor of God. Why? So that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Earlier we were told to stand. Here we're again told resist. Take your stand. That, that idea, that word, take your stand, it's a military expression. It refers to a posture of opposition toward an enemy. God's saying, look, my, my strength is here for you, but you got to get in the fight. you got to understand the battle, and then I want you in the fight. 
Not in your own strength, but in the strength that I provide. And so here's the third great truth about the battle. God prepares us to, to prevail. God prepares us to prevail. That's his intent. And that's, that is the surety that we have in Christ. We're told in Romans 8.31, this, this rhetorical question. It's just this ridiculous thought that Paul is, is saying when he writes this letter to the Romans. What then are we to say about these things? In other words, about all these things that we might get wrapped up in. If God is for us, who is against us? Right? If God is for us, who is against us? We got God's vast strength. What, 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 what could we be concerned with if God is with us is the point. He's showing this is ridiculous when you really think about it. That's what we got to understand. God is for us in Christ. Then who can be against us? Nobody. And here's what we need to know. God's preparing us to prevail. God's armor has, has already been proven effective in Jesus. He, he's already shown that this armor is effective. You're like, ah, I don't know. Does this work? It's already been proven effective by, by Jesus. We're going to see as we go through and we look at the different parts of the armor of God that the armor at our disposal is not just armor that God gives. It is the very armor that our God, Jesus, used. That he himself used these things in his own life and ministry. And, and so that's where you could look. I'm not going to get into them, but Isaiah 11 and 52 and 59, we see references in the Old Testament to these ideas that then we're going to see play out in the ministry of Jesus. But for today, I, I simply want you to hear this, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. We read part of it, but the whole thing, 18 through 23. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling? What is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the mighty working of his strength? He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. That's the power. This is the power that, that God is offering to us. It's the power that's already been demonstrated through the Lord Christ Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection. And so we're told to, to move from struggle, right? We're in the struggle, we're in the battle, from struggle to stand. Stand. But I want you to understand, our role is not to defeat the enemy. Do you hear that? Our role is not to defeat the enemy. Because Jesus has already done that. See, that's the basis for his reign over the unseen realm, is the way he has utilized this armor, the way he has trusted the strength of God as a human and has defeated Satan, sin, and death on our behalf. And so our struggle, our, our stand, is to bring that victory to bear in our daily lives. It's not to create the victory, it's to demonstrate how that victory plays out in our daily lives. To announce that victory in the way we live, in the way we, in, we deal with others, the way we deal with one another. I liken it to D-Day. What, what happened on that beach 
in Normandy. World War II. Well, those brave soldiers who stormed the beach, who took that beach, who battled back in Europe to defeat what at that time was, was this, the, the greatest threat to, that the world had seemingly ever known. Did the war end that day? No. But it was a turning point that day that announced that the end was inevitable, that victory was assured. It, it was coming. It, it's not exactly the same, but it's similar. And so what we do is just like that deed, that was D-Day. When Jesus went to the cross and then he was resurrected, it was D-Day. It was the announcement. Look, the battle still rages in some spots, but the victory has been won. And so for us, we live out that victory in our daily lives. We're announcing, again, the benefit of that victory in our living. We're told that it is armor that prepares us for the evil day. Well, when is that? Well, could be a specific, could be referring to a specific time, or it could just refer to in general to the evil that we face on the regular. Either way, the emphasis is on being and staying prepared. If you haven't practiced, you won't be ready. But we're told to, 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 that having prepared, we can stand. And if you don't think that the day is coming, then eventually you take the armor off. And the day surprises you. You, you think, well, it's not really that big a deal. And I know it's a battle, but come on, my life's going pretty good. I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm getting the little boost that I need of God's strength. But I, come on, it's, you know, nobody's heads are spinning around that I've seen. You know, nobody, I mean, I, I'm doing all right. This whole unseen realm, not that big a deal. And, and so you get lax. You stop really paying attention. And, and you're not prepared. And, and then evil comes, and the evil can come in some grand ways. It can come in just the bickering that happens, the strife that happens. It comes in all kinds of subtle ways, but, but make no mistake, it's an evil day, and you're not ready. You don't handle it in the way that the Lord would want you. And you're not living out the victory that Jesus has secured. And so the other thing to understand, God is preparing us to prevail, but you will play like you practice. And that is, you know, we, we say this all the time in sports, you play like you practice. It's the same thing. God wants us to understand in our Christian lives, you will play like you practice. We were told, again, in Ephesians 6.10, be strengthened. This is an ongoing idea. Be strengthened. And so we're told, we're given statements like these, Philippians 2, 12 through 13. There's these, these statements that show up all the time that if we read them wrongly, we're tempted to think, oh yeah, it's all about my strength. But I want you to hear and understand. Philippians 2, 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, most of us, we stop there, we go, oh yeah, I gotta do it, it's mine. I gotta go work it out, I gotta go figure it out, I gotta go save myself. But it goes on. Work it out. For it's God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Why does the fear and trembling come? It comes because you realize, man, it's nothing but grace. It's God working in you. It's his strength. You got nothing on your own. You don't bring anything to the table. It's what he supplies. And so all you're doing is working out what he has already worked in. That's what we're doing. We're just, we're just working out. We're just bringing his strength to bear in our lives and in the lives of others as we, we walk with him, as we follow him. And so we're just simply told, stay aware of the amazing gift of God himself empowering you 
training you, preparing you to stand victorious with him for all eternity. You know, none of you had to decide whether to put on clothes today, okay? Now, maybe, maybe you thought about, like, am I going to come to church? You know, maybe you had that thought. I get that. And unless, I mean, I know I'm, I could step in it here, but, but most of you, right, you're not making a decision about whether to put on some clothes, okay? I don't, you can do what you want to do in the confines of your own home, but you, you weren't making that decision. You were putting clothes on. The only decision is what you will wear. That was the decision. What am I going to wear today? And what you decided to wear had everything to do with what you were preparing for for today. And similarly, when it comes to the spiritual battle, you will dress yourself in one way or another. You'll dress yourself somehow. The only decision is whether you will dress for battle, whether you will recognize the unseen front, whether you will rely on God's vast strength and be prepared to prevail. That's the only question. And I hope that as we look at it today and as we look at it over the next many weeks, that we'll, we'll get better at putting on this armor, of taking up this armor, as Ephesians tells us. So I want to give you just a few steps, some things to consider as we think about the nature of this battle. One, maybe today for you is the day to admit that you have rebelled against God and that you need Jesus' power to, to save you. You need that victory over Satan, sin, and death to be made real in your own life, and you're ready to accept that gift, ready to begin to, to walk with him, or at least you're thinking about that and you have questions about it. Man, we'd love to help you with that. Maybe today's not the day, but, but our prayer would be that the day would be soon, that you would come to know Jesus and learn to walk with him. That's why, why we exist as a church. People would, would come to know him, learn to walk with him. So maybe that's you today. I, I want to encourage you, come back. Uh, not, not because, I mean, I like seeing you all, but, but this is important for us to understand together. And so maybe a step for you is just make a commitment to, to be back and continue to learn to how to better engage with this unseen front. Or maybe there's an area of your life where you know, man, I need God's strength. I really do need to rely on God here. Here's where I've really not, I'm not trusting him, and I need to learn to, to rely on his vast strength. And she'll ask him to help you. And, and the last thing here. And we do this every Sunday is I'll provide some kind of memory verse. That's not just, you know, for cuz. Um, it's because walking with the Lord really, I mean, it, this is a really helpful part of, of knowing him, of leaning on him, is learning his word, hiding it, as the Bible says, hiding it in our hearts. I, I want to especially emphasize this in this series because we're going we're gonna to deal with this. We're going to talk about it more next week. We'll talk about it more at the tail end of the series, especially, but all throughout. This is a key time where I would encourage you to, be, to consider memorizing this passage and others, but, but at least this passage. So I'm going to give it to you in, in chunks as we go along through the series. And I would encourage you to take time to, to meditate and memorize God's Word. It's especially important as we learn to do battle. Okay, Let's pray together, and we'll continue to worship. Father, I'm so deeply grateful for the victory that Jesus has won. We thank you for him. Father, we thank you that we can know you, that you offer us yourself, and that we have the ability to rely on you 
that we don't have to hear of these things and, and freak out. At the same time, Lord, I do pray that you would open our eyes, lift our sights to realize what is unseen is just as real as the things that are constantly in front of our face. So help us, Lord, to walk with you and to be prepared Christian soldiers, so to speak. We need your help. We want it. We seek it. We pray this all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day. Thank you.